This is the Gambling Gauchos. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I am Rob Brohe's Kyle Jacobson coming to you from the Cardinals Sports Center studio. You can find Cardinals to gear up for the NCAA Regionals. We'll tell you more about that in a second. The Texas Tech baseball on the move, a three seed, but favored like a two seed with the two seed who's favored like a one seed. We'll get into it in a second. Texas Tech baseball from corporate partner, part, 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 partner. I hadn't started like that in a long time. You can get your Texas Tech baseball gear at mycardinalsports.com or their physical locations in Lubbock or Plano. Kyle, how you doing? Fantastic, man. How are you? You know, I was having a great day uh, playing some Phase 10. You ever play Phase 10? Nope. Fun card game. I was at my parents' house for, let's see, one thirty to 5.30. I walk outside to leave. My truck's been on the entire time. My keys were locked in it. So that was fun. And that's not a segue to a new locksmith sponsor. That's just something that actually happened to you today. No, but I did ask if they sponsored because I call them all the time because my truck is stupid. Well, what if you say? open, if you open, <laughs> I'll tell you later. If they, if you open the door, it doesn't automatically unlock. It just stays locked. Mm. So, if you shut the door after you open it, it's just your toast. Speaking of locks, Rob, let's go ahead and get into some of our regional picks and whatnot. As you alluded to, Texas Tech heading to the Statesboro Regional in Statesboro, Georgia, home of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Do I have that right? I like probably how you said that. Probably should have Googled that. Yeah, they I'm, score uh, like shit through a tin horn. I'm Ron Burgundy. I think they're the Eagles. I think they are. That was an old uh, Nick Saban quote about Georgia Southern when they were playing Alabama. So they, we can get into some of this discussion as well. They were picked as the number 16 overall seed, so the last squad to be um, a regional host. And, of course, several teams sort of felt like they should have been in that conversation. Wake Forest, Oklahoma. I'm sure there's others I'm forgetting. TCU. Um, TCU, yes. I think, uh, so I mean, there's a million different ways to look at it. Everybody, not everybody, a lot of people immediately looked over to the Super and they're like, well, you get Tennessee even if you win the regional, so this is a bad draw. But I'm sort of thinking about it one step at a time. Yes, Tennessee is likely going to win their regional. If your season ends in the Knoxville Super Regional, I think you just tip your hat to Tennessee and say y'all are an outstanding ball club and you know that's that. But before that happens, you have a chance to win a regional away from Lubbock, something you did in Coral Gables back in 2014. Since then, you've hosted every year. So every year that you've made the postseason. Right. So, I mean, I, I think there's um, you know a lot to unfold before you get to that point. And as far as regional hosts are concerned – I think you're paired up with the weakest one. Am I correct in that assessment? Yes. One, 100%. By the way, TCU in the Big 12, the only time 
a Big 12 champion has not hosted. Very interesting. So conference tournaments don't matter. Conference championships don't matter. Well, I I made it. And I would contend if Texas Tech would have beaten Oklahoma one more time and shared with TCU and then did what they did in the Big 12 tournament, Texas Tech wouldn't have hosted. You probably. I mean, the fact that you wound up a three doing what you pretty much always do in the Big 12 tournament tells me that you actually weren't as close to hosting as we thought. Absolutely not. We kind of thought two out of three against OU and you're a host. I'm not so sure one more game in the regular season jumps you from a three seed to a one seed. No. I was surprised Oklahoma State was as – I'm not surprised that they hosted, but I thought they'd be like 13 through 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, They're number seven. And I guess there's – I think the top four were pretty clear cut. Tennessee, of course, Stanford, Oregon State, Virginia Tech. But I think after that, five and on, there was a lot of – discrepancies between the RPI and the rankings or the eye test and the RPI conference achievements versus not. And so it got a little bit convoluted there. Um, I made a joke on Twitter that Texas Tech needed to change the name of Lubbock to Lubbockville to host because there's so many Vills that are hosting this year. Bring it on was, down everyone was like, we'll just win your games. And yeah. it's like, okay, number one, that was a joke. Number two, think a program right. that is hosted five times in a row, which was an active record nationally, um, knows a little bit about winning baseball games. Right. But also, like, why doesn't that logic get applied to UT, who lost a series to Kansas State, lost a series to Texas Tech, finished fifth place in the Big 12? Like, I, Your I, schedule I did not allow a host this year for Texas State baseball. I guess so. I just – it's kind of like basketball. I mean, it feels like we're – recycling some of these same arguments like yeah if you play a great non-conference opponent in november that's great it looks good on your net ranking and, in, and your rpi and everything is that as impressive as going on the road and winning a conference game against a solid opponent in late february or early march and we talked about the last 10 games look at what oklahoma did to finish out the season yeah and then they won the big 12 tournament almost nobody had a better final 10 game stretch than OU did and maybe it got them from a three to a two Mm-hmm. And maybe Oklahoma stole your two seed, but otherwise it just didn't matter. None of it matters. Yeah. Like I think Ecclesiastes back, in here, man. <laughs> you would have had to probably go back and obviously not lose to New Mexico and ACU. I think those two games really hurt your RPI. Take one more against OU, one more against Grand Canyon. I, I would maybe, argue your road games. Yeah. One, one or two more against TCU, but it, I don't know. I, that series against OU sort of ended, and I was like, man, we missed it by that much, and now it doesn't feel that way at all. If your Big 12 schedule is the exact same, Kyle, but instead of Iowa, you play Rutgers. Instead of Mississippi State, you play Tennessee. And then instead of um, Merrimack in a four-game series at home, you play Texas State. Two here, two there. Win, loss, all the same. You're a host. Maybe split so. with Tennessee, split with Rutgers, win four against Texas State, you're a host. Because of Kent State and Merrimack, your strength to schedule and RPI were never going to be good enough to host, and they tell you that over and over again, and we still try to not believe it. But 
like if somebody's going to keep telling you the same thing over and over and over, eventually you just have to listen to them and believe it. And, and that's what the committee's saying about RPI. And we saw these teams dodging opponents late in the season, knowing win or lose, it's going to hurt their RPI, get rewarded for it. TC, hold on. A&M is the number five overall seed. They're the 22 RPI team. Yeah. Like, RPI matters for everyone but Texas A&M. And they they dodged late in the season. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Three or four years ago, college basketball made an adjustment. They gave up RPI and invented the net rankings. Yes. And this is where all the quad one stuff comes from. And we joke about that on Twitter a lot. But I think net is better than RPI. I think college baseball needs to figure something out. But the dynamics of the game are different than basketball. There's no such thing as, I mean, there's obviously non conference versus conference, but there's no such thing as like midweek college basketball. They need no. to figure out something so that Dallas Baptist doesn't have the number four RPI and is finishing third place in the Missouri Sun Valley, whatever conference. Right. Well, and Dallas Baptist can't, you know, start Kevin O'Banner on a Tuesday and then Ethan Duncan on a Friday. Right. Like, there's, it's just not the same sport as basketball where you could do that. There has to be some level of eye test in baseball. Yeah. There just has to be. You play enough games, you play enough common opponents. There has to be some kind of level of, Something now. I'm not. I'm not saying that Tech should be a host. I no, don't think neither. they did enough. Agreed. You, you can't get swept by TCU and you can't lose your final two against Oklahoma. But I don't think it should have been that long of a shot. And I kind of think Texas Tech being a three seed is a little bit of a joke. But in baseball, it doesn't matter what your seed is if you're not a one. Yeah, unless because, the regional because, across from you. Uh, the host doesn't win, then it could come into play. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Depending on who wins. But, but like just if the two for the seated, regional, if like, the two seed in Knoxville three. wins, then right, right, right. you would lose out on the chance to host the Super. But yeah. So anyway, sure. I think I think RPI needs an adjustment. I'm not, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I'm not saying like, oh, if RPI was better than Tech would host, I just think that it's kind of a joke that so many mid majors have manipulated it. And that it's apparently so heavy of a metric that they consider that the eye test is just like out the window. There's always discrepancies on this kind of thing in college football. When they pick four teams to make the college football playoff, there's probably a fifth or sixth team that would have better odds in Vegas on a neutral field than the four seed. And that goes the other way too. Like Bama has been the four seed in the college football playoff and was probably close to, if not the favorite, to win the whole thing once they got there. But the fact that a regional host like Georgia Southern has like 200 to 1 odds to win the whole thing, right? and the third best odds in their own region with the advantage of home field, is it's off. I wish that it kind of mirrored Vegas's future odds a little bit better, and that you had more schools that, you know, did something in ACC play, SEC play, Big 12 play as the hosts, and fewer teams like Southern Mississippi, Georgia Southern in the host spot. But it is what it is, and you've been dealt your hand now, and all you can do is play it. And I still think, as far as the regional, again, not looking ahead to Knoxville, super regional. Right. I think it's a good draw from that standpoint. Notre Dame is tough. They were another one of those teams that, had a really solid case to be a host. And so 
you you're stuck with them game one. That kind of sucks. But you have to beat good teams in the postseason, and so I don't think they're unbeatable by any stretch, um, both in one game or in a regional format. Right. And you you couldn't have wound up with a worse regional host. No offense to George Sutton. No offense. But they're the worst regional host. Yeah. Uh, I will also say, Kyle, you tweeted that West Virginia got snubbed. Yeah, it's just some Big 12 homerism. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think. And, then, and I know you were joking, but uh, you got to stand with the people on, on Twitter. I, I get it. They had the same T- Big 12 TCU, record as Texas, and, TCU and Texas got- is hosting. Right, but Texas had a great RPI. Big 12 is half of the total season schedule, hey, and, and everybody plays the same opponents, and they have the same record. One's a host. One isn't even in the tournament. I agree. It's a load of crap. I hey, but hey, you're not getting arguments for me. UT played Tennessee in February, so good for them. And Texas State. Yep. Uh, and lost to Texas State at Dishfalk. I'm pretty sure. Yes, that is correct. But I think TCU got screwed because I think if you win the Big Twelve regular season, you should be a host. And I don't even think TCU is that good. I think they're probably the fourth or fifth best team in the Big Twelve. Is my, that a shot at TCU? No. Yes. My hot take is, here's my power rankings. You ready? Yeah. In the Big 12. Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU. I, yeah, I don't have a big complaint with that. No. I just, I Texas, again, they got a starter hurt and just didn't recover for a while. But they have, I mean, their lineup is insane. Their bats are crazy. Insane. Melendez, Staley. Faltini, those guys are, which Faltini sounds like, a, I don't even know that's how you say it, but he sounds like a Batman mob guy, like Falcone and Faltini are conspiring to get at Batman and Gotham. Anyway, I think, but I also think, tell me if this is a hot take, one through five in the Big 12, there's not that big of a gap. No. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I would say Oklahoma and Texas Tech, Texas Tech's probably a better team, but Oklahoma just had their number. Yeah. So it's hard for me to put Oklahoma behind tech. Just head to head. Yep. Um, All right. Do you want to go through some regionals? Yeah. I'm going to set the table first for the Statesboro region, real quick. Okay. Just to give some numerical context to some of this. So RPI per Warren Nolan, Georgia Southern is 11th. That sounds scary. I think they're one of those teams that successfully manipulated that. Nowhere. You know, Vegas, some of these other analytic metrics don't have them anywhere near a top 10 team in the country. Notre Dame is 13th, probably why they felt like they should host. They had a good record in the ACC, a tough conference, good RPI, probably felt like they should host. Texas Tech, 45th. We don't have to beat that horse. Um, we know why Texas Tech's RPI is that bad. Not a great non-con schedule, and then you lost to New Mexico and ACU. Um, another metric called ISR. I think it's like implied strength or something or other. Georgia Southern 23rd nationally, Notre Dame 10th, Texas Tech 41st. Quad one games. This is against top one or top 50 RPI teams. Georgia Southern 6 and 11 this year. Notre Dame 14 and 7. Texas Tech 10 and 13. So, 
my takeaway there, Notre Dame has good results against good opponents. Yeah. Texas Tech has underwhelming results against good opponents and also some bad results against bad opponents. And Georgia Southern kind of mediocre results against not so good. I mean, the the 6 and 11 in quad one games is what sticks out to me. That screams we won a bad conference and aren't up for going toe-to-toe with elite talent consistently. Yep. So anyway, um, and the the odds, uh, we tweeted these at Gambling Gauchos. Very interesting odds to get out of the region. So Notre Dame is has the shortest odds, plus 145. Texas Tech and Georgia Southern are pretty much right next to each other. Texas Tech plus 230. Georgia Southern plus 235. Now consider Texas Tech has to play the best team in the region, game one. Georgia Southern plays the worst team in the region, game one. Georgia Southern is playing at home. So the fact that those odds are even comparable tells me that Vegas clearly thinks Texas Tech is the better team. I looked at the other regions, and we'll get into these. There are four regions where the host does not have the best odds. This is one of them, and this is the only region where the host has longer odds than two teams at the same site. And I wonder, I mean, I don't have to have the time to research this, but I wonder how many times a host has had. I would doubt very few. I, I asked tech hoops guy, our friend, and he said, probably never. And I don't know what he's basing that on, but very strange situation that I think again, speaks to the relative weakness of Georgia Southern as a host team. Some of the other regions where the host did not have the best odds, Wake Forest at plus 110 has better odds than Maryland, the host, which is plus 140. LSU is playing in the Hattiesburg Regional against Southern Miss. They're plus 100. Southern Miss is plus 140. Virginia, plus 100, even odds. Um, They're playing at host Eastern Carolina, which is plus 225. So pretty decent value on the host site there. And then Oklahoma State and Arkansas have the same odds, plus 150, a Stillwater Regional. So kind of a unique deal there, in my opinion. Well, and you say it's unique uh, in your opinion, but it's unique this year for sure. Auburn, I mean, Auburn Regional, Auburn's the favorite. Texas is the favorite. Virginia Tech, their favorite. North Carolina is the favorite. All the way down... Uh, Maryland is not the favorite in their regional. Wake Forest is, uh, but they're the two seed. A and M, Miami. Uh, now the three seed Ole Miss is shorter odds than the three seed Arizona or the two seed Arizona. So we might get some value there. Let's go down the sixteen site and make some picks. Okay, interesting. Interesting side note. Okay. If the Big 12 teams win their regionals and super regionals, the top half of Omaha, potentially Texas Tech, Texas A&M, and then Virginia Tech or Florida, if hmm. the chalk goes. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. It'd be freaking awesome. I would go to Omaha. <laughs> I think you'd have to, right? I mean, 
You can do whatever you want, Rob. I'm not going to tell you you have to go to Omaha. Bruh, if if Texas Tech, Texas, and A&M were all in the same Omaha quad quadrant, mm-hmm. yeah, you wouldn't be trying to go to Omaha? Oh, yeah. I, I'm just saying it's a free country. You don't have to. Oh, bro. Quit. Quit. You have to go, dude. <laughs> me and you. Road trip. Road trip? I don't know if you would enjoy a road trip with me. I bet I would. Think so? Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll maybe we'll find out. <laughs> So let's go in, let's go in alphabetical order here. Auburn regional. Are you looking at the DraftKings alphabetical. odds? I've got a bracket, but I can I can pull up the odds. Okay, I sent you the DraftKings odds for a reason. So I'm in. I'm have, in. We'd be on the same page. I've got it. Thank you. Same page. Um, three teams all getting some respect there. Auburn plus one fifty, UCLA plus two twenty five, Florida State plus two forty. Yeah. Who would drive if you and I were on a road trip? Uh, I don't know. I like you'd want to drive. Like, we have the same drive. truck, so. I tell you what, I got my truck fixed. Did I tell you that? No. How many miles do you have on your truck? Um, <laughs> shoot, hundred forty. Oh wow, something like that. I'm at like one eighty two. So here in about forty thousand miles, you're gonna have a um a spark plug blow out of your engine and hit the hood of your truck and scare the bejesus out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I I think I like Auburn there. Is there value in Florida State? Maybe as a three seed with similar odds to UCLA. I guess. Um, do you have a lean there? No, I'm staying so away from this one. I saw Auburn. Uh, I've picked Auburn, and my runner-up is Florida State. There, uh, I saw Auburn in. Arlington, and they have a fathlete that does the uh, Italian bum, 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 uh, as his walk-up song. That's great. Yeah, I don't. I think with three teams that tightly bunched together, I'm just not going to touch it with a ten-foot pole. Yeah. Um, the Austin region, Texas, the minus one twenty favorite. With Louisiana Tech, DBU, and Air Force, a team that Air Force, the four seed, has beaten Texas this season already. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Texas. I would also uh, lean Texas in this one. Uh, Louisiana Tech is the two seed with the second short sides, but they're right there with Dallas Baptist. Uh, Dallas mm-hmm. Baptist also beating Texas this year. Hmm. I don't know. Dallas Baptist five and four in Big Twelve play. Yeah, they played. I don't remember if they beat Texas? Or not. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm taking Texas. Uh, but yes, in that one. yeah. Do you have a runner up there? No. I think I would go Louisiana Tech. Blacksburg, Virginia Tech, pretty heavy favorite, minus one fifty five. The three seed and four seed there, not getting any respect. Columbia plus eleven hundred. You know, you compare that to Tech as a three seed, they're plus two thirty. So. Uh, in their respective regional. That's kind of a lot of respect for Gonzaga. I'm tempted to, I don't know, Vegas seems to think a little bit highly of Gonzaga here. Well, they were going to be a, a, they were going to be a a host until pretty recently. And maybe Gonzaga's odds are so good because they're so likely to get to one and oh, you know, like some of, some of these two, three matchups are a lot closer than this. Yes. So I don't know. I might um, 
Mm. I'm leaning Gonzaga at plus 195. I think that's really good value there. And I think they can – I don't know what their pitching situation is. I think they could go a little bit light game one, save their ace for Virginia Tech game two. And if they win that, they're sitting pretty. And I'm sure Virginia Tech has good pitching as well, as good as they've been this year. But I'm, I think I'm biting on uh, Gonzaga there. Yeah, I would stick with Virginia Tech, but I like Gonzaga as the runner-up. Chapel Hill, one and two, very close in this one. North Carolina plus 110, Georgia plus 140. North Carolina ended the season on a tear. Give me them plus 110. Same with Georgia, the runner-up. They're, they're another one of those teams that was a big discrepancy. 500 in ACC play, but very good. Resume to be a host and a dangerous team and getting some respect from Vegas here. College Park, Maryland Regional. This is one where the host is not the favorite to get out. Wake Forest plus 110, Maryland plus 140, Connecticut plus 450. I will tell you this, Kyle. I'm leaning just as a pure value play. Just throwing darts at the board. Is Connecticut the, the move here? There's always a three, not always. Three seeds get out of these sometimes, you know? I mean, uh, hopefully, because Texas Tech's trying to. Yeah. I, I wouldn't begrudge you for that pick. I don't know if I would go along with you, but they'd have a very putrid four seed in game two. So even if they went 0-1, they could get to one and one, save some pitching, maybe have a good shot to get to two and one, and then yeah. who knows? I mean, I guess you're probably leaning Maryland there or Wake I Forest. Think, I don't, uh, Maryland plus 140, home field advantage. Right. I like that. I'm going to bite on that, even though Wake Forest is a good team. All right. I, I think I'm uh, with you. On Maryland, but I, I'm taking UConn to get, get out of that one. College Station. Up. College Station, another interesting one. Uh, A&M plus 120, TCU plus 175. Yeah. Pretty, pretty close together there. Uh, those two teams, a lot of postseason history recently. Louisiana Lafayette plus 550. Oral Roberts plus 750. Yeah, I, A&M. Really? Yeah. And I'll, I'm a TCU as the runner-up, but A&M at home. I'm going four-seed Oral Roberts. Upset in game you don't, one. You don't want to take the other two? No, upset in game one. Okay. They have the shortest odds of any four-seed to get out of their regional. Okay. That's I a like program with a little, little bit of history, a little bit of experience. Been there, done that. A lot of times. A&M's looking ahead to game two. Maybe so. I'm going to splash a little on the four seed there. That's the only four seed I'm going to pick. Coral Gables, Miami plus 100, Ole Miss plus 185, Arizona plus 370. Just because I'm stubborn, and I was so high on Arizona before Pac-12 play started, they've not been good in Pac-12 play. They are a three as well. But I'm going to take Arizona to get out of here. In fact, I'm going to take Arizona to get hot and be in Omaha. 
I like that pick. I am not sold on Ole Miss at plus 185. Me neither. Miami is the runner-up, by the way. Arizona's a good value there. Miami had a good season, though, and they're hosting. I'll go Miami, and I might splash a little on Arizona to hedge, where if Miami wins, I lose a little bit, but if Arizona wins, I'm still profitable. Right. I don't think it'll be Ole Miss, though. If I could bet, you know, minus 300 against Ole Miss, I'd probably do that. So it's uh, going to be Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah, 3-0. Oh. We'll just <laughs> run right through it. Uh, Corvallis, Oregon State minus 115. Vanderbilt plus 180. San Diego plus 400. Sub-500 New Mexico State, who took West Virginia's spot, is plus 6,000. So Oregon State is probably the answer. Vanderbilt is going to be the – I'm not familiar with college baseball this year, but I've watched a lot of college baseball lately. Answer. The sneaky pick, though, is San Diego because Vanderbilt has to travel across the country to get to Corvallis. San Diego's right there. Just a quick bus ride up. San Diego's pretty far from Corvallis. I wonder... I don't think they're taking a bus. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll fly up there, but I wonder the dis- the difference between Tennessee and San Diego. That actually might be similar. I don't know. I'd have to pull up a map, but California's a big state, and San Diego's at the very bottom of it. So, Yeah, ignore what I just said. I'll take Oregon State. <laughs> Me too. Um, Gainesville, Florida plus 110. Our uh, favorite opponent, Oklahoma plus 265. Liberty plus 340, Central Michigan plus 950. I'm taking OU. Really? Yeah. I don't think Liberty is that tough of a 2-3 matchup in game one. And it's not going to be easy, but the value there at plus 265 with the way they've been playing, some of the teams they've beaten recently, I think they got a decent shot to get to 2-0. and even if they don't, they've got great bats that would destroy uh, any team's fourth best pitcher if it if they can extend the regional that far. I don't actually think they'll win it, but at plus 265, I'm biting on the value there. I'll take Florida. Okay. I really want to take Liberty, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't take Oklahoma. Why? Uh, I just can't. Okay. Physically make myself. Greenville, the most disrespected regional host besides Georgia What'd you call Southern. It? Greenville. Okay. Why? What'd you think I said? I thought that's what you said. It's Greenville. No, that's Louisville. Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, Alabama. <laughs> that's Green Bowl. But uh, Virginia as the two seed. Plus 100, even odds to just go in there against the ECU Pirates, plus 225. I guess this is maybe where part of the hangup is. Coastal Carolina, also a good team, plus 275. A regional host that I think has a 14-game, 10-game win streak here to end the season. East Carolina? ECU, plus 225. 
I feel good about that. Big fan of the ass-kicking chicken. In fact, here's what I'll do. Just to cover my behind, I'll splash a little on Coastal Carolina as well. Don't, I think if don't the, do that. ECU doesn't win it. Just go I'm, for it, man. Virginia at 50-50 to go into somebody else's house and win the region is absurd to me. Not that they're a bad team, but give me Coastal or ECU. All right, so I picked Virginia, but now that you're talking, I don't like that. I mean, pick the Hoos but, if you want. But since you've said East Carolina and Coastal, I'll, I'll stick with my Virginia pick. Hashtag fake Kyle. Hattiesburg, the Brett Favre regional. Host Southern Mississippi plus 140. LSU waltzes in there at plus 100. Uh, relatively weak three and four seed here. Kennesaw State plus 700. Army plus 3,500. I think everybody expects, it, expects this one to come down to L- LSU or Southern Mississippi. Almost called an LC. That'd be cool if Lubbock Christian was plus 100 in a D1 regional, but I'm torn on this. I'm, I'm probably going to stay out of this. I don't think there's good enough value on LSU or Southern Mississippi to, to bite. Uh, well, since I'm taking picks on all these, I'll, I'll go LSU. Southern Miss is the runner-up. I'll just lay chalk there. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee's minus 525. Is there enough value on Georgia Tech plus 550 for you to take them? Or? No. 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 no I I, so. You're just giving away money, I think, if you don't pick Tennessee in that one. Now, will the Campbell Camels, who I think in baseball are the Camel fighting Camels? I don't think well, it's just the Campbell Camels. I think they're fighting Camels in baseball. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome. It was Campbell. But, yeah, Tennessee's getting that one. Louisville region. Louisville plus 100. Hey, if I gave you Tennessee versus the field to get to Omaha, to get the final weekend of Omaha on this side of the bracket, what would you say? At even odds? Sure. Tennessee, easy. Versus the field? Yeah. Just to, right get, to, Texas Tech. to get to Omaha? To get to the final weekend of Omaha, to play in the, to play in the national championship. Um. That's getting past Texas, Virginia, East Carolina. Um, you gave me A and M, TCU. Yeah, plus you gave plus two hundred. You gave me a little bit of juice. I'd take it. Plus, plus two hundred. Yeah, easy. Okay, all right. I'd probably take it at plus one forty. Oh, well. I'm a field guy. Um, but if I did lose that bet and needed some cash to run my business, Rob, you know who I'm calling? Diversified yeah. lenders. Diversifiedlenders.com, Red Raider Letterman owned and operated. They will, they're uniquely qualified to help you get the working capital you need now. They offer factoring, invoice purchasing, equipment finance and leasing, asset-based lending, government finance and leasing. So if you have a bad weekend in the regionals and you need to go double or nothing in the supers, maybe call Diversified Lenders. They'll help you get some cash. Also, on Twitter, there's this Georgia Southern baseball fan. He's been really kind and courteous, um, trying to give some Texas Tech fans you know, tips on what to eat uh, when they're in Statesboro, all that good stuff. He says the best fried chicken in Georgia is at a yep. local gas station. And I said, our people can relate to that. We eat all subs burritos. And so I don't think any Tech fans are going to be scared to roll into a gas station and take a plate. 
But it's a long way from our friends at Rahina Barbecue in Olton, Texas. If you're watching from Lubbock, that's a go-to spot to uh, get your game day grub. Ribs, brisket, burgers, Texas Phillies, jalapeno Jala- sausage. Jalapeno poppers stuffed with brisket. Oh, yes. Are those wrapped in bacon as well? They are. Mouthwatering. So if you're watching from home with the lads, something like that, if you can't make the trip to Statesboro to get the gas station fried chicken, I would make the trip out to Olton to grab some Rahino barbecue. And coming soon to a town near you. It will be in Lubbock, Amarillo. Got a, a trailer that I think will be on the move. So appreciate their support of the gambling gauchos. On the move. Okay, Louisville. Did I say it right? Louisville? Louisville, yeah. Louisville. <laughs> um, another tight one between one and two there. Louisville plus 100. Oregon plus 140. Michigan. Did they get in? Did they win the Big Ten tournament? Is that how they got in? Yes, they did. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they're that good. Plus 850. So this they busted like West a, Virginia. This is a two-horse race, it seems. I think Louisville, with kind of one legitimate opponent to get through, I think their fans, I think that's a great uh, home court advantage, so to speak. Uh, it's not great value, plus 100, but yeah, I think they got a 50% shot to get out of there alive. So I'll take Louisville at plus 100. You're also asking me, after we get past Stanford and Oregon State, if I'm going to bet on UCLA or Oregon or Arizona, you're kind of asking me to be a believer in the Pac-12. Right. And I just, they might have an elite team or two, but do they have depth in, in any college sport? No, usually. I, Maybe baseball's different, but yeah, I don't know. I don't see Oregon going to Louisville and winning that region. Yeah, I would pick Louisville pretty easily there. If I wasn't taking Louisville, I would splash Michigan. Just because plus 850 for a hot team, it's better to be hot than good. Uh, That would be interesting to me. Yeah, they might have a Jawan Howard puncher's chance. An open-fisted punch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hey, among the Power Five, six schools did not experience postseason in football, basketball, or baseball in the men's sports. Um, Go Nebraska, back, four of those have all three of the sports Nebraska, Cal, Washington, and Northwestern. Yeah. And then three two of the six. sports just have football and basketball Syracuse and Colorado. Three of the six ripping the Pac 12, baby. That's why we need to get there as fast as we can, Rob. That's the, uh, uh-huh. the mecca of college athletics. Yes, it is. Speaking of the Pac 12, Stanford. One of the best teams in the country. Probably consensus top three. Definitely consensus top four. Minus 140. The UC Santa Barbara fighting Gauchos plus 265. And Texas State plus 340. I think the winner of that 2-3 might have something to say. I have mad love for the city of San Marcos and the river down there. Yeah, And I also, of course, have mad love for the UC Santa Barbara fighting Gauchos. I would be remiss if I did not pick the Gauchos. As heavily favored as Stanford is, as good as Stanford was all year, I have to pick the Gauchos. Go Gauchos, plus 265. Let's go. I'm with you, man. And you know what? I'm doubling down. 
Texas State is the runner-up. Okay. Stanford doesn't even make it to the final day of their regional. All right, I'm putting two units on the Gauchos, one unit on Texas State at plus 340, so that if either team wins, I get a profit. And, you know, combined forces, one of them can take down Stanford. Stanford gets a joke of a four seed, Binghamton, which, you know, they've earned that. They had a really good regular season. Right. Bingham, Binghamton's plus 15,000 to win that region. You know, they're yeah. probably like a New Mexico State, one of those just dreadful teams. Um, we'll save Statesboro for last. So skipping over them and going to Stillwater. Very interesting region, in my opinion. Are, are there any good songs about Stillwater? Not that I know of. Are there? Interesting how. Oklahoma State, the host, has the same odds as Arkansas, plus 150. Yeah. Our friends from Grand Canyon, not horrible odds at plus 350. Of course, they got to play Arkansas game one. I don't know if I'd say our friends, but. And then Missouri State, not horrible odds for a four seed, plus 1,200. The Bears. I'll if tell the you Cowboys what. Cowboys lay an egg. I mean, could they go 0 and 1? They're not great at no break. <laughs> not against some teams. Nope. Uh, man, you know what, Kyle? Would you be uh, saying I was crazy if I told you Arkansas was going to win that and Grand Canyon was going to be the runner-up and Oklahoma State wasn't going to get out of Stillwater with the win? It, ooh. That's a bold prediction, my friend. Maybe they'll beat Missouri State. But they're not going to get more than one win. It's tough for the two and the three to finish one, two in the region because they obviously one of them has to be dealt a loss on the first night of the region of the regional. But yeah, I mean, I I've seen it with my own two eyes. Grand Canyon can do some damage. Oklahoma state did not finish the season strong swept by tech. Uh, did they lose the series in Waco or did they just lose a game in Waco? Either way. And then they went one and two in the big 12 yeah. tournament. I just, you know, they're like the opposite of Michigan, who's there because they got hot at the end of the year. I don't see a lot of value. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling for them. I think I want them to represent the Big 12 in a super. But, yeah, I might splash a little on both Arkansas and Grand Canyon um, and take the profit no matter who wins that one. Maybe like two it. units Arkansas, one unit Grand Canyon. I like it. Okay, the final... Regional, in my unbiased opinion, the most intriguing that nationally all eyes will be on in Statesboro, Georgia. We went through the odds before, but to recap, Notre Dame plus 145, Texas Tech plus 230. So the two and the three seed have the two best odds in this region. Georgia Southern plus 235. They'll play the four seed UNC Greensboro in game one plus 1600. What do you think? Do, do we want to do our – can I give you some analysis of the teams involved yeah. in the regional before we yeah, make the picks? It. Yeah. Okay. So I I mean, full transparency, I'm not like our friend, our often referenced on this podcast friend, Keith Patrick from – Yeah, Dugout. at least a time and episode. I don't watch college baseball all around the country all year, and so this is a look at some stats now that the regions are picked out. 
Notre Dame has two really good pitchers. They have one very, very, very good pitcher. So per digs, which is D-I-G-S, defense independent game score, they have the eighth best pitcher in the entire country. His name is John Michael Bertrand. He's their Friday night guy. I'm assuming that both based on them sticking to their regular schedule and them understanding that Texas Tech is the second best team in this region, he is pitching against you on Friday afternoon. So you're going to be playing one of the top 10 pitchers in the country game one. Now their second best guy, uh, let me give some stats on John Michael Bertrand first. He started 27 games at Notre Dame the past two years after transferring in from Furman. In those 27 starts over the last two years, 15 and four with a sub three ERA, his list of accolades as far as all ACC, all everything, golden whatever watch list, he's on all of it. He's the real deal. You have a really tough pitcher you're going up against on Friday afternoon. Now, the good news is you have a guy who is very close in proximity per that same Diggs metric. Brandon Burtzel is the 18th best pitcher in the country per that metric. Notre Dame's second starter, Austin Temple, is 33rd in digs. Also, you know, pretty elite company there. Uh, he did have two really tough outings against Florida State this year. So maybe there is a way to get to him if they see something on film. Andrew Morris is 90th in digs. Um, Interesting. So overall, their two best pitchers, their ace is better than your ace. Their second guy is better than your second guy. But here's where it kind of gets interesting. Mason Molina, 102nd nationally in digs. Notre Dame's Jack Findlay, 103rd. So your third guys are right there. Chase Hampton, 217th. The next best pitcher in the entire region is Georgia Southern's Ty Fisher at 286th. Notre Dame doesn't have a fourth guy. Now, a lot of Tech fans would say, well, you don't have a third guy. You might not have a second guy at this point. I, that would well, be you have two guys. That would be the pessimist based on yeah. the recent outings. But if you can force Notre Dame into a third, fourth game, maybe even a fifth if it got to that, that doesn't appear to be their strength. They, I think, compiled a good record very similarly to Tech. They have two really good pitchers that go Friday, Saturday, and then you're in really good shape to get a sweep on Sunday if not, or a series win if, if uh, an opponent got to one of your two aces on Friday or Saturday. The good news is, Hopefully you don't have to face Temple, you know, one way or another. If you beat Notre Dame in game one, Notre Dame's Austin Temple, the 33rd best pitcher in the country, is going to pitch game two to save their season, I would imagine. Right. Um, and if you get to a third start, fourth start, you know, there could be something to be had there. Um, I was trying to find a, a preview that I read that referenced – Notre Dame kind of middling at the plate, a little bit boom or bust. Sounds familiar. So I think this is their strength. They pitch really well Friday and Saturday. Uh, the bats are good enough, and they win two out of three games doing that. That sounds familiar too. It sounds familiar. So uh, I, I say all that as well. I, I wasn't omitting Georgia Southern there. Georgia Southern didn't have a guy in the top 285 pitchers. So the, the six best pitchers in this region – play for Notre Dame and Tech, which is why I am just not a believer in the host, Georgia Southern. With that said, Rob, what do you think the strategy should be on who 
who pitches Friday against Notre Dame in game one, assuming we're getting John Michael Bertrand, the eighth best pitcher in the country. And what's the strategy from there, win or lose? I think your strategy should be do, do a gotcha here. I think Morris should pitch game one. I think Birdsell should pitch game two. Um, and then Hampton, game three. And then in a game four situation, depending on how the first three games went, it's Molina either on his own or Molina Morris, Molina Birdsell, depending on which one of those guys is not as exerted. Um, but all hands on deck, game four, because it's win or go home, right? And then if you have to get into a game five situation, right? I think that's possible. Yeah. Uh, generally played on Monday. No clue. No clue. Doesn't matter. Somebody's got to go out there and pitch. Yeah, once you're there, but you I, just figure it out. But I don't think you're going into game one saying, well, what happens if we're in a game three? You're just trying to win the first two. So I actually kind of disagree with you on this although I haven't settled on my preferred strategy. I could go one of two ways with it. Let me start by saying that I acknowledge Tadlock is unlikely to change up the rotation. Yes. It seems to be, you know, every time there's a regional, super regional, he sticks with Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'm not saying that this is going to happen. And I'm also not saying that, you know, God forbid anybody puts me in charge of personnel decisions over Tim Tadlock. I'm just kind of spitballing here. When you have been a one seed in the past, I am for doing what got you there. Usually, Texas Tech's best pitcher pitches on Saturday and kind of your second best guy Friday, and that has worked well for you. You pitch your second best guy who overpowers the four seed, then your ace goes in game two. You get to two and zero oh in every uh-huh. regional you've played in, and then it's you know you're very likely to advance from there. This time, though, I think this matchup between Texas Tech and Notre Dame is similar to what you would get in a typical game two of a regional, the two best yes. teams that are 1-0 and playing against each other. So I would like to see Tech go one of two ways with this. Either you throw Birdsell out there game one, you do your best against their best, and best man wins, or Chase Hampton on two weeks rest. Who's been good. Has been very good in his last three outings. You throw him out there and say, if we win, we're 1-0, and the best team in the regional is 0-1, and we have our two best pitchers fully ready to go. With a day extra of rest for each of them. Yes. And you know, if you can get to 2-0 through that strategy, then you're guaranteed to not play more than four games. And so you'd have... Who starts game four? Molina. Um, and so I'm for one of those two strategies. And it's not a surrender if Hampton pitches against a top eight pitcher nationally, but if you do lose that game, Notre Dame has used their ace, correct? I don't know if their second best guy, uh, Finley, would pitch game two. I assume that he would because getting to 2-0 and o is just, it, you're very unlikely to not advance. So important. And so that would leave you, Tech, your 0-1, but your two best arms, Morrison Bertel, still available to get to 2-1. and one. And then... Notre Dame's pitching from that point on, not great. Yes, you'd have to beat them twice. But I, I could see that strategy working out for you, even if Hampton loses game one. And that I mean, allows... If, if Hampton loses game one, you have a much better chance of coming back with Morris and Burtzel than if Morris loses game one and you have Hampton and Burtzel. Go with me here on this as well. Okay. Bro. Hey, I'm going with you, man. 
And this is where you ballsy. Go, I follow. I follow. I follow. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. This is ballsy. It's not going to happen. And it's very risky to try to save your pitchers because you might run out of games. And then you're like, well, why right. didn't we pitch? Birds and or? then you're Zach Britton and you haven't pitched in the playoffs and the Orioles suck. <laughs> you pitch Hampton game one. Okay. If you win, Birdsell goes game, game two. If you lose, Jamie Hit or whoever starts game two against four seed, whoever the heck it is, uh, UNC Greensboro. And then you're one and one, and you still have Birdsell and Morris, and Notre Dame doesn't have any of their top two guys. And I know you're Who's shaking your head at me. Jamie Hitt? Who's to say Jamie Hitt goes out there and wins? Wouldn't you start Molina at that point? No, you got to save Molina because you're going – Five games at this point. If you're zero and one, you're going to save your top three starters that are left, and just yes. throw out whoever. Yes, you roll the dice oh. and say we have a better offense in a hitter's ballpark. You're against over the four in seed. the last two months when those two guys Rob, are starting. Rob, I said it was ballsy. Over. I said it. I said it wasn't going to happen. But yeah, you got to you got to play the. You know, it's like Sun Tzu when your opponent zigs, you zag. That's not a direct quote of, of Sun Tzu, but yeah, you Never have to you have to counter. You have to go where your opponent is not. Have you read Art of War? I have. You sound like an Art of War guy. So that's not going to happen. That's fantasy land. But I would give some serious thought uh-huh. on Tadlock to switching it up. Either way, no matter who pitches game one, if you win game one against Notre Dame, you are in a great spot. Um, I anticipate it'll be Morris just because that's what you've done all year. But I agree. I just think it's a little bit of a waste to throw Morris and then Birdsville game two, potentially against a four seed if you're on the 0-1 side of the bracket. Yeah. And then now you have to win three games in a row and you don't have Morris or Birdsville. That's a little bit of a daunting scenario to me. A little bit. And, and maybe, okay, so maybe if you do stick with Morris and lose and you go Hampton game two on the 0-1 side of the bracket and then Birdsville once you're 1-1, one one, I don't know. But I, I I'm usually not a fan of messing with the pitching order but in this scenario i think it demands a little bit of creativity and attention and strategy and then next week if you make it through morris Burtzel, one two yeah okay. yeah the, su- the super is very easy to me because there's there's no matchup you play the same team every time right and you want your two best guys to play the guaranteed games one and two I've got some breaking news for you and I that will not be breaking news for whoever listens. Texas Tech golf, men's golf, has made the final eight uh, in the NCAA D1 Men's Championship, moving on to match play. Uh, Texas Texas Tech, the eight seed, or finishing eighth today with a plus four round. Uh, Arizona State, Pepperdine, Oklahoma State, Texas, North Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Oklahoma, joining them in the final eight teams. Uh, I guess we call that the Elite Eight. Awesome. I've got a couple more tidbits for you, Rob, okay. before right. we get to the picks, because this is our mega preview. We're not doing another preview later this week, so we got to get it all out there. Did a little bit of homework because I imagine our friends and listeners are not terribly familiar with Statesboro, Georgia, or Georgia Southern. The ballpark there seats 3,000 people. Nice. 
about 500 of those seats have seat backs. The rest are metal bleachers. Beautiful. So 4,000 people you're saying are going to be at this game? Probably, yeah. I'd imagine they you know, do what Tech does and put some outfield seating bleachers. Pack them in, baby. Now, just for comparison, Danloff Field, typically about 4,400 capacity. It's seated 5,000 for postseason baseball games or close to. So this is a smaller stadium. And, and Dan Law is usually one of the smaller ones that is hosting, like you know Arkansas and some of those SEC schools have right. 15,000 at their baseball games. Rob, what kind of ballparks has Texas Tech struggled in this year? Big ones. Pitchers parks. Oh. Yeah. So it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like uh, like Arlington seats 45. They struggle there. No, no, no. I mean a, a pitcher's park where, yeah, the right. outfield fence is further Dead away. outfield and all yeah. that stuff, yeah. Do you know the dimensions of Dan Law Field? Uh, three, 336 to the foul pole? It's 330 to the left field and right field. Okay. Right field. Right field foul pole. Right, 400 dead center. 385 to dead center. Oh, is it? So it's yes. uh, even smaller than I thought. Now, do you know at J.I. whatever, Georgia Southern yeah. Stadium, do you know what the dimensions are? I do. Really? Uh, yeah. 330 to left, 326 uh-huh. to right, and uh, 385 dead center. You know what? I'm sorry. You are correct. I was reading from the wrong notes. Dan Law is 404 to dead center. Okay. 385 so, is Georgia Southern. I was thinking that seems short for Dan yeah. Law. It's a smaller ballpark than Dan Law, oh, which wow. is a hitter's 385. Park. Yes. So, so same, to, same to both foul poles, but shorter in center. Exactly. Gotcha. And it's, it's one of those kind of, uh, what would that be, hexagonal? They've got, instead of like a perfectly rounded wall. Right. There's some like edges. Three-sided. Yeah. So like left center field and right center field are 360 apiece at Georgia Southern. Oh wow, it's a it's a hitter's park. Yeah, and that's what you need. I Good. you know I saw so many uh, you know foul uh, you know or not foul outs but pop flies flyouts to the warning track. Yeah, those will be gone by twenty feet at this. Stadium. Little worrisome that Morris has been giving up just Jimmy Jacks. Yeah, which is why you save him for. You know, the four scene. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hide more if it comes to scene? that. Okay. But I don't know. I, I just think I, I'm not that worried about Georgia Southern. No disrespect. Oh. Notre Dame's strength is the top end of their starting pitching rotation. It's not their bats. Yeah. You're in a hitter's park. You've got some pitching. The bullpen, your third, fourth starter, have kind of come alive lately. I'm feeling dangerous, Rob. And I know we got some chicken littles and losers and haters in our mentions on Twitter. Hey man, tech has a good bullpen right now. They do. I I don't care what you say. They have a good bullpen right now. Even some of the collapse, like against K state, it was more on the, uh, the defense. Yep. No, it was errors or, you know, the catcher, not quite up to snuff. I thought Crowley came in and and had a good outing when he gave that up. In Oklahoma. One thing I am worried about, Georgia Southern's field is natural grass. You seem mm-hmm. to kind of struggle with that back and forth um, instead of playing on turf. So we'll see. The, the defense has not been great. I mean, you're, I think, bottom of the Big 12 and double plays turned. 
kind of made a couple inexplicable errors lately. It's not your strength anyway, but that doesn't help. But I don't know. I, I was going to be worried if I looked up the dimensions of this ballpark and it was, you know, 360 to the right feet, right field foul pole. But it's a hitter's park. Notre Dame has two really elite pitchers. Besides that, the pitching in the regional is going to be favorable to you, I think. Right. So with all that said, let's make our picks. You first. Uh, I mean, I'm picking Texas Tech. Okay. I think, I think, you know, I mean, I'm getting Texas Tech all the way to Omaha because I'm a homer. <laughs> um, I would take Georgia Southern, I think, to, to be the runner-up just because it's their home park. But I think Notre Dame's is not a scary team, but a good team. I would be influenced. My pick would be influenced if I knew who Texas Tech was pitching in game one. Yeah. I am going to do a classic Kyle Jacobson move and go Notre Dame emotional hedge. Right. I don't think Georgia Southern will be a factor at the end of it. Shortest odds. I think it'll be Notre Dame or Texas Tech. Yeah. There's not a lot of value there. And the winner of game one is in the catbird seat for this thing. Okay. The only thing that would make this regional spicy to me is if Georgia Southern gets to 2-0. and Because then I'm thinking, okay, the third best team in the region is in the driver's seat. And one of Tech or Notre Dame is going to have to beat them twice, which is doable but not easy. And that's where things would get interesting. But if Notre Dame or Tech gets to 2-0, and I think it's over. And obviously they can't get there unless they win this first matchup between the Red Raiders and the Fighting Irish. Oh, man. So, did you see? Uh, it's going viral on Twitter right now. Sorry, I was distracted. Eli White catch the ball over the center field fence and throw out the guy at second. I've not seen that yet. It was awesome. Also, bad news, sad news from uh, Minnesota Vikings world. Jeff oh, Gladney. Gladney. Yeah. Man, I, and I didn't see until just now that it was a car wreck. Yeah, that's what I read as well. Man. 25. He and um, the Ohio State quarterback. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Um, yeah, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, same offseason. They were both 24, 25, something like that. It's terrible. Reviews are in for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, by the way. I didn't see the first one. Have you seen uh, Top Gun? No. Maverick? No. It's good, man. More of an indie film kind of guy, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't bite on the pandering to the lowest common denominator, you know, with these summer blockbuster types. So oh, I'm the lowest common denominator. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Never seen Love any it. of it. Love it. No, don't. Yeah. Know. Stack them up in front of me. I didn't watch uh, Doctor Strange, though. You know, if two two guys, Kyle. You want to do some are, regional props, Rob? Say they're in a parking lot <laughs> uh-huh. that disagreeing. Mm-hmm. And one of them punches the other one in the face because he called him a lowest common denominator. Um. And you wouldn't want to have to call somebody, but if you had to call somebody in that scenario, who would you call? Yeah, you need somebody in your corner, and you might as well call Barnett, Howard, and Williams Law Firm, started by three Texas Tech graduates, office in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas. So as long as that parking lot you know, were located somewhere here in the Lone Star State, I think they'd have you covered. They are one of the only law firms in the state that is certified for Title IX student representation. They've defended student-athletes 
uh, in Title IX litigation at all the major universities in Texas. Barnett Howard and Williams handles catastrophic injury cases. I don't think you could deal me a catastrophic injury, but you know, I don't know. Challenge accepted, maybe. Across the state, and for listeners in the Fort Worth area, they handle criminal defense and family law matters. Uh-huh. The Barnett Howard and Williams Law Firm hopes you never need them, like you said, Rob, but they are here if you do. You can find out more by visiting their website, bhwlawfirm.com. And Rob, what might be more likely is a kick in the face, not a punch to the face. So you're saying I couldn't kick you in the face? I think you could kick me, and I think if we fought, it might be a draw. You think I could get my foot to your face? Maybe. You know who else? Give me a couple months. You know who else kicks and draws? The Lubbock Matadors, Rob. They okay. Zero zero draw. (laughs) So confused, man. Hey, the Matadors. One win, two losses, one draw on the season. But we have not been scored on outside of Lubbock. We've pitched two shutouts. So uh, they're they're not back in Lubbock for another couple weeks. But uh, they did get some points or one point uh, with the draw against Denton. So good for them. Hopefully climbing the table there. And I think our buddy Trevor with the Matadors said the next home game is Ted Lasso night. Yes. Which I see you're growing out your mustache. Encouraging costumes and they'll have fake mustaches if you can't grow a real one. It could be a fun time. So if you don't have season seats yet. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, just some people can't grow a mustache, Rob. Can you not see my mustache right now? I just said some people. I'm not. It's not a shot at you. Nice. I get it. Are you Are you being sensitive right now? No, you're fine. I, I know I'm fine. Are you fine? I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to do some prop bets then? I'd love to, unless you want to do a song of the week. But I, do you have one? Uh, I'll I'll come up with one. Okay. I've got one. Okay. You want to be there? No, let's do our prop. No, that's fine. Yes or no, Jace Young will hit a home run. Yes. I think so, too. I mean, 330 to the foul pole? 385 to dead center? 385, yeah, he's going to mash him. That's like, yeah, that's what, 20 feet in front of the warning track? He is in a bit of a slump. He's due. He is due. How about this? If I gave you over under one and a half home runs and juiced a little bit, plus 130 that he'll go over. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think I probably would too. I mean, if you're giving me the juice. Yeah. You juicing, man? <laughs> you juicing now? Um, over or under two and a half wins for Texas Tech in the Statesboro Regional? Uh, well, I picked him to win, so. You picked him to win it. Over. That's tough. If they go 0-1, they have to win four in a row so they could win three and still not win the regional. Or if they go 2-0, and their next gotta, win would win them the regional. So, Yeah. Uh, I'll go over. Okay. I'll, I'll go over. Because I think if they do lose a regional, it'll be a valiant effort and they'll take it to a game four or five. I'll go over on that. Morris and Birdsell total innings pitched in the regional over or under 13. I think in order for them to win, it needs to be over. 13 is a dangerous number, though. Like, I feel like 13 needs some juice. 
you have the push protection because I think both of them have the potential to go six. Both of them have shown they can pitch seventh. So all you need is a seven inning output and a six and a third inning output. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over thirteen. I think you got to go over as well because there's two scenarios that could unfold. You beat Notre Dame game one, in which case you probably had really good starting pitching, right? Which would lends itself to a lot of innings pitched. Or you play the four seed with probably your ace going, and would imagine he'd be able to go seven or eight at least. And that doesn't even account for the possibility that in game five, one of them comes back on or both of them come back on for one inning, you know, to throw 15 more pitches. So I'm going over. I think even if one of them has a really good start, the other one wouldn't need a super quality start to make that happen. You know, Birdsell could pitch a complete game against a four seed, and that would mean Morris only has to go four and a third for that to go over. So I'll say over. But yeah, they could also both go six and a third, and it doesn't quite get there. And, and you've also seen both of them get a good leash. Yeah, very true. Which you've not always seen from starters at uh, Texas Tech. Um, yes or no, there will be a winning starting pitcher from Texas Tech, not named Birdsell or Morris in this regional. Now, you picked them to win the region, which would imply we'd need at least three wins, but those don't necessarily all have to come from starting pitchers. So I don't think you've pigeonholed yourself here. A reliever could get the win, in right. other words. Yes. So do, you, do you think a Hampton or Molina as the starter will get a win? No. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not for certain that the, you know, the first two pitchers – get wins right. Burtzel and Morris mm-hmm. especially in that Notre Dame game if it's tied in the eighth because um, I expect close games so I would say well I mean a reliever would get a, a win in that one if you win what's the question Where did they, <laughs> yes or Sorry. no there yes or no there will be a winning starting pitcher at least one winning starting pitcher not named Andrew Morris or Brandon Burtzel for Texas Tech that is not how I heard that question. No, no, I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to go with yes. I think Hampton throws the gym. I, I'm high on Hampton right now. Okay. All right. From his last three outings and the fact that he's, I would imagine, either throwing against a four seed or throwing against another team's third best guy. I like his odds in that one. And Molina, let's face it, he's pitched really well lately. If, he's, if we're real deep into this, it's game four, game five, and Molina is starting. Against their fourth or fifth best guy. I like those odds as well. Number of relievers used by Texas Tech. Not total appearances by relievers, but number of relievers used over or under five and a half in the regional. I am going to say under snugly because I think you're going to see a lot of bridges. I think you're going to see divine multiple times. And then if Molina comes out of the pin, I think you'll also see multiple innings from him. Yeah. So I'm going to go under snugly because are you going to see Sanders? Are you going to see hit? Are you going to see some of these guys that haven't been consistent? Girton. Crowley. I mean, 
there are some guys. I I would assume if you haven't seen Curtin yet, you're not going to see him. Yeah, I don't know. I originally a few weeks ago they kind of made it sound like maybe he'd be back by the conference tournament. Right. So the fact that you didn't see him there, you, you, yeah, it'd be tough to throw him out there. So like, hey, we're you know we're tired of Notre Dame in the eighth. Get out there for your first appearance in three right. months. Um, a lot of this hinges on are they going to use Molina out of the pin or are they saving him for a potential game four and are they playing three starting situation? Are they playing five games or are they playing three? Yeah. Or two, God forbid. I mean, I'm not right. Right. Exactly. Um, it's kind of a negative thing to say, but I think I'm with you under, I think it'd be five. I think they're going to tighten it up a little bit. Yeah. I think with the, with the chance that Molina doesn't come out of the bullpen, it's kind of what tilts this for me, but they trust divine. They trust Becker. They trust bridges. Uh, Beckel, I think, would probably be like the fourth best or more, fourth most trusted arm out of the bullpen lately. Right, and all of a sudden it's Crowley. Yeah. So yeah, then you need two of Crowley, Hit, uh, Paris is done for the year. Sanders, Gurton, a surprise appearance, and I just don't see that. Right. So I'm with you. I think it'd probably be like right at five, unless if this thing does go five games, and I think you know I'd adjust, but that is. Pretty unlikely, you know, probably be done in three or four, one way or yeah. another. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think it's close, but I'll go under. Can you hear the gauchita crying in the background? I cannot. Okay. Did you hear me yawning? No. You know, she's only a couple months old at this juncture. Uh-huh. But when she grows up a little bit and she's between the ages of five and 14, uh, I'm going to send her to a Code Ninjas summer camp, Rob, because that is where. Children ages 5 to 14 learn how to level up their coding, STEM, and engineering skills in a fun, hands-on environment. They have year-round programs, but right now, they're enrolling for a wide variety of summer camps. Our listeners get $10 off at checkout using the promo code GAUCHOS for any of the summer camps at the Code Ninjas Lubbock location. Summer, great time to go to outdoor camps, sports camps, all that, but you also want to keep the kids' minds active in between the school year. Uh, these camps use technology that your kids already love, like Legos, Minecraft, Roblox, to expand their skills, creativity, and confidence. They can do all kinds of cool things, build a YouTube channel, 3D print, um, awesome stuff to learn on their educational journey. I think it also helps them in their professional lives someday. I guess ages 5 to 14 are still a ways away from that, but um, kind of some futuristic cool stuff I wish I had learned when I was a kid. So promo code gauchos at codeninjas.com, $10 off any of the Lubbock Code Ninjas summer camps. Sounds like a great time. I think it is. I would have loved to have done that uh, in my younger years. Yeah. Got you to mostly, a few years. Mostly to uh, build that robot. Can you hit the robot like on, out on the dance floor? No, no I'm not. You're not, uh, you're not a robot kind of guy? No, I was at a wedding the other day. Didn't dance. I've seen you do the wobble before. I I'm a wobbler. I know you can hit the I would wobble. Do a wobble. Yeah, I like the wobble. Where'd you see me do a wobble? Uh, Baseball game? golf. Ah, uh, yes. We yeah. were there with the uh, 23 personnel guys. Yeah. Collaborating with them, as we sometimes do. Yeah, might do some more. The wobble came on, and yeah. we're like, "Wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby." I did do that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um, that's all I've got for baseball. Like I said, pretty extensive preview there. Um, some basketball news. 
Let's yeah, you want to go with... college or pro? Well, what I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted was we could start with Red Raiders and the pros. Darvin Ham officially, that was a little bit mean. I shouldn't have That's called right. him out like that. Darvin Ham officially named the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. The 28th head coach. Yeah. And apparently he was like LeBron's choice. And I don't really know how I feel about that because LeBron obviously, you know, was the best basketball player in the world in his prime. Kind of, it's a lot of authority to give a player. Like he kind of had David Blatt fired and was like, oh yeah, we're going to hire Tyron Lue. And like, we're going to trade these guys. He's kind of been like coach and GM on every team he's been on lately. Yeah. So I hope he's not like walking into a toxic situation there. He is. But is. it is, yeah. but you don't. But you don't turn down the Lakers' job. No, no. Like that's just a job you don't turn down. And everybody from the outside looking in knows that, like whatever happens next, um, is not the head coach's fault. Like the roster yes. building was horrible. The locker room culture was horrible. So if Darvin Ham isn't successful there, it's it won't be because. Of well, him. nobody gets more chances than a head NBA coach. True. Yeah. Once you get hired, once you get hired, you get six more jobs before you don't get any yeah. more. It's kind of like that. Except, unless you're Mark, unless you're Mark Jackson. Yeah, he only got the one. When Mark Jackson got fired, I was kind of like, "Hey, the Warriors won, you know, fifty games. They did pretty good." And then they started winning all these titles without him. I was like, "Okay, maybe yeah. they were right to." Is was Brad Stevens a bad coach? Overrated coach. Yeah, they talked about him like the second coming. They're in the finals know. now. Yeah, and they they didn't do that. In year one without him yeah. with the same exact roster in place. Yeah. I remember a, a, a poll. This was 2018. Uh, a Twitter poll. If you were starting an NBA franchise and you could choose one or the other to start with, would you have Brad Stevens or Giannis Antetokounmpo? And Brad Stevens won the poll. And I was like, I'm not seeing it, guys. Like, he's a solid coach, but I think there's 10 other coaches like him. Is there Whereas, a coach that you would take over Giannis in that point? Um, in the current Eric, NBA, Eric, Eric Spolstra. No, Jason Kidd. No, again, I think what I mean, I'm impressed by Spolstra, <laughs> but I don't think like what he's done. No, just you can't would be not take a single by, coach over Giannis. No, no, like what Giannis does, I'm like, okay, nobody else in the league can do that. But I will say, on the point of LeBron, like there. There is a star player on every team that interrupts the flow of the GM, right? You have to make concessions. That's just the nature of the NBA. Now, I doubt there's anyone as strong-willed as LeBron making decisions, but like to say, well, oh, man, yeah, I would turn down the Lakers job because I wouldn't want to work for LeBron. Like, shut up. Right. And That's not you know, your position. LeBron is, what, 36? He also wants to play with his son or whatever when his son gets here. So yeah, he's going to be on the Mavericks anyways. I'd be taking that job <laughs> as like a, let me ride it out with LeBron in this soap opera for two years. Yes. And then he'll go play with his son at age 39. And yeah. then, then you can build the Lakers into, you know, whatever your vision is. Oh yeah. Um, Malik Wilson, maybe my favorite player pound for pound. Uh, he's gone, man. We knew he was in the portal, but he made it official. He's going to Houston. Your favorite tech basketball player from last year was Malik Wilson? Pound for pound. Like, you know, for okay. a guy that played eight minutes a game. Right. Probably would have taken Bryson Williams as my overall favorite player. Sure. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he played, you know, 34 minutes a game or whatever. So 
26. I just loved. <laughs> I don't know what he played. <laughs> and probably not quite 34, probably somewhere in between what we just said. I just loved Malik's game, like so elite defensively, and I guess was limited on the offensive end of the court, but he was fun to watch. Explosive, you know, the 360 dunk against Montana State. I it wanted him count. to stick around and develop. Yeah, it didn't count, but right. We we all saw the video of it, so it counts oh, yeah. for, for what it needed to count for. Sure. We didn't we didn't need those two points. So we uh I was gonna say we'll be pulling from it Houston. I don't really root for Houston. I wish he was going to a neutral like Boozo at Boise State, I can get on board with that. Right. Houston, you kind of have to like mm, y'all might be in the conference in two years. We'll be in the conference in two years. But but I like Malik, so good luck to him. What do you think about Joshua Mbala going to Ole Miss? I think Josh Mbala is the poster child for why you don't dump a freshman project big man after one year, which Beard did. With I never understood that. Malik, Josh Mbala, uh, the two Russian guys, um, Vladislav Golden, yeah, and, and Andrei Savarstov. Because all Mbala has done since then at Buffalo is. Double double like, machine. Yeah, twelve and ten every night, and it, yeah, and you're looking at those teams where like TJ Holyfield was the only post player on the roster. Chris Clark was trying to do it, and you're like, damn, we could have used a power forward like Josh Imbala on this team, right? Yeah. So I mean, he wants to be a Imbala, a, a shot caller. <laughs> Twenty inch blades on the Imbala. So yeah, I, you know, I get it. There's roster churn, and when you're at that level, you're trying switch to get roll, elite at every spot. Ticket. Sprayed with ice. Um, Matthew Meyer is off the, the highway. Hate that for us. Thought that would have been a got to be a ad. better way, man. Better way. Try <laughs> so hard to just move on here. <laughs> um, I think you still need to feel really good about this team. You still need a starting wing opposite Jalen Tyson. You think so? It could be Demarion Williams. It could be yeah. Elijah Fisher. Could be Lamar. It could be. I would just not want to roll the dice with a freshman, even as highly touted as they are. Sure. I would like them to be rotational pieces off the bench, and I would like Demarion Williams to be like your sixth man. So if it's Kerwin. See, I think he – I need to do a little more homework on Kerwin, but I would put him about on par with Demarion Williams. They'd be competing for okay. that last spot, in my opinion. Okay. Maybe it's Mosley. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm looking for. That would be spot number 12 or 13, depending on if Nadolny stays. And as I've stated before, I'm fine with keeping that roster spot open. With Malik officially out, maybe... I don't know what's happening with Nadolny. Maybe that means he is staying in the fold. Me neither. I have no idea. He didn't go into the portal, so like... I guess at this point, I have no reason to think that he is gone until well, he wasn't it something. between wasn't it between that and moving on yeah, to pro? Yeah, I think so. In Europe, I don't think he was going to transfer to another school. But anyway, so with the reclassification on 27, 24-7 sports, Texas Tech is the thirteenth class with just the freshman commits and overall oh it doesn't show the transfer number one transfer class 
But you're bringing in eight players right now. Seems like a lot. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah, we thought the same thing this year. Yeah, true. I think to some extent that's just the way college basketball is. I mean, I don't think you'll ever have fewer than five newcomers like ever again. But the 13th ranked class is the second best you've had? I think you were like 11th. Hey, dude, this uh, bracket challenge you sent out, everybody is saying that they can't do it. Are you yeah, I know. I was, yeah, I was watching. I replied to a few. I said it was a test. Does that okay. bother you? No, it doesn't bother. I was just catching up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I've been tweeting the whole time, man. Elijah Fisher, Pop Isaacs, Lamar Washington, and Robert Jennings. Pretty formidable group coming in. Uh, Fardaz, Davion, Damari, and Jalen Tyson. So you're saying those four are starters right now with Kevin O'Banner. Fardaz, Davion, Damarian, and Jalen Tyson. And then your first three off the bench are Elijah Fisher, Richard Isaacs, and Lamar. If Clarence is back, he will also be right there with those guys. People are speaking with so much confidence about freshmen, and I just don't get it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just I'm in wait. Well, but on that. the but on the roster, who's there? KJ Allen. KJ Allen going to come in and put 20, 15, 20 minutes on the court? I don't think so. Not consistently. But when he was playing twelve or sixteen for a stretch, when Bacho was out, he played. He rebounded well. Bacho, I did I did not mention Bacho. Bacho is probably your sixth, seventh man too. I forgot about Bacho. I don't know. I just feel like I just a lot I don't people... think Clarence. Like Clarence has been here. Like he's had his shot. Yeah. I just, but Clarence has played, you know, he helped beat Kansas, helped beat Texas. He's played in Waco against the yeah, team of the country. Sure. People for are watching sure. Pop Isaac's, you know, AAU film. They're like, oh, this guy's going to come in and tear it up. Like he's playing 16 year olds. It's not Big 12 basketball. You're playing the best conference in the country. It might take him a little while to adjust. Like, and that's okay. Sure. I don't, I'm just not sure. for putting all this pressure on freshmen. Like, oh, well, these, these three guys are going to walk in and, you know, these three freshmen are going to carry us to a Big 12 title. I, but you also see, like, Baylor, where Jer- Jeremy Sohan and uh, the freshmen there are just so good. Yeah, you don't mess with the Sohan. Yeah. Did, is that a reference that you got? I got it. You don't okay. have to explain your references to me. Well, sometimes you just – Okay. I, I guess you're the, you're the reference king. I, I Adam Sandler, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it – yeah, anyway. <laughs> I got it. Okay. <laughs> it's a good one. I liked it. Hey, we are on Patreon, building a community there. Had a lot of fun in the Discord chat during the Big 12 tournament. Uh, I'll be honest. I was kind of glad it was over because I was on a mini vacation in San Angelo and didn't want to be trying to watch baseball scores all weekend. Yeah. Especially not now that we know you could have gone 4-0 and in the Big 12 tournament and it wouldn't have done you a damn bit of good. Um. Is it a mini vacation or just a vacation? It was a, a Christmas vacation. Okay. Um, where was I going with the that? Moose oh, yeah. Tell you that? We had fun in the Discord chat. Uh, we did. When we went into extras and all that. Building a uh, uh, an inventory of interviews there, and content. We have Fardaz. Now that he's officially locked in, you can kind of learn a little bit more about him and his style of play, what drew him to Texas Tech and Mark Adams. Had an interesting conversation with former letterman Will Culpepper on the Matador Club and NIL in college athletics. And I think we 
have landed a very significant interview for this week. Still sorting out exact details, but right. it should be ready to roll. And I'm talking like this person's name is on stuff. Yeah, you're trying to field some questions from him. Yes. We want to drill down, get our money's worth, make sure our subscribers get their money's worth. Yeah. Be like a good double interview. Yeah. So if you're not subscribed already, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. It's $5 a month. Hope and think that's doable for most people. Like I said, still kind of building the content inventory there, but uh, we're, we plan to do a lot of really fun interviews this summer, get you ask, uh, access to the Discord server, which has been a lot of fun. And I think we're still going to try to work on like some other member benefits, like maybe some cool partnerships with our sponsors and stuff like that. So check us out on Patreon. We'll send out the link when, whenever we knock out this interview, but go ahead and join patreon.com slash gambling gauchos, $5 a month. Follow us on Twitter at gambling gauchos. Are we on Instagram as well? Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's all gambling gauchos. It's all gambling gauchos. It spreads. It's always, it always was. You ready for song of the week? Um, I you will be slow runner. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Yeah, you didn't like it. A little bit too like electronica. Yeah, techno for me. I don't know yeah, if that's like right. I can do that every now and then, like a little yeah. sleepyhead passion pit. But uh, do you ever listen to Bass Nectar? Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, man. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Gaucho related. Okay. Love that. The bad side of luck. Vincent Neal Emerson. The bad side of luck. The bad side of luck. Vincent Neal Emerson. Okay. It's a good one. I'm going to go throwback here. I guess second week in a row I've done country. Cup of Loneliness. I like country, man. Cup of Loneliness by George Jones. You familiar with that one? I know you know George Jones. but Love George Jones. I'd have to listen to that one to get re-familiarized, though. Yeah, it's a good one. An oldie but a goodie. Anything else, Rob? Any final thoughts? Man, I don't think so. Just looking uh, looking ahead to this weekend, getting on the field against Notre Dame in the second straight postseason for a major sport. It'll be fun. Big, bad Texas Tech coming down with their bats. Big, bad gambling gauchos. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty fun to beat them twice. Certainly would. In the postseason. I'd love to get them in a bowl game next year, too. It probably would be a pretty high-level bowl game. Pretty, pretty good. Do you know Texas Tech has played in more bowl games than Notre Dame? I did not know that. Notre Dame has never beaten Texas Tech in football. Uh, Have they ever played? Um, not Once. technically. We played their B team one time in the That's th- right. 30s. That's right. That's right. Hey, what um, was the stat that uh, Texas Tech was one of the uh, 16 schools that had won a bowl game and 
to make the postseason in all three sports. So it was the opposite of what we talked about earlier. Yes. There were three power five schools that didn't do any. Yes. And when you narrow it down further to, did you win your bowl game? Did you reach the sweet 16 and make a baseball regional? Yeah. I think there were two teams. I think it was us and Arkansas and Arkansas. Of course, the only state mentioned in the Bible, you know, that we went to the Arkansas. Yeah. So if you get out of your region, and Arkansas does not, you'd be yeah. in – that's cherry-picking, but also it's not. If you win a, a football postseason game, a basketball postseason game, and a baseball postseason game, that's it's a pretty elite, you know, well-rounded athletic program. It is. So we'll see what happens. How many times do you think you've said that Arkansas and the Bible joke on this podcast? On this podcast, three or four. I'd take the over. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about if I gave you four and a half? Yeah, I take the over. No way. I I'd have to go back, but we're like sixty episodes in now, dude. You said that one a couple times, mm. and I always counter with, uh, you know, Jesus drove the first car. Yeah, he just it, didn't tell anybody about it. Him and the apostles were in one accord. Yeah, he drove a Honda, but never told anybody about it. Right. For I did not speak of my own accord. Right. Oh, um, man. Do you know the, the biggest understatement in the Bible? It's, uh, no. it's after he comes out of the desert after 40 days. It says, after 40 days, he was hungry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you think? Yeah. You know the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Texas Tech swept. Let's hope we can say that on uh, Sunday. I don't know that we're going to be saying that. Hopefully a week from now when you Hey, I will say this. Is Texas Tech better suited for a super than a regional? Cuz I keep hearing that from Tech fans. It it depends on matchups and everything. Right? Cuz going to Knoxville, you're not better suited for anything. No. I mean just straight up. Best of 1, best of 7, I don't yeah. care. But like in you're this You're better regional, suited to get out of Georgia Southern than you are to get out of Knoxville. But like in this regional you have, I could argue, better pitching depth than the best team in the regional. You're playing in a hitters-friendly ballpark, which is very much to your advantage. And you're playing the worst regional host that there is that probably has less home field advantage than any regional host. So I would say this regional, I feel better about than a super against certainly Tennessee, but also against any of the top you know, four seeds. But earlier in the year when it was going the same pattern every weekend, you win Friday, you win Saturday, you lose Sunday. I get the sentiment there, but right now that I think you found a little bit of pitching depth and you're matched up in, in this particular regional, I certainly think that uh, I would take the regional over the over the super regional at this point as far as how you match up. But if you were in the Norman, Oklahoma regional and you were paired with a super against A&M or Maryland or whatever, I'd say, well, yeah, probably better suited for the super regional. Yeah. It's my thoughts on it. So our uh, one of our lovely sponsors, Diversified Lenders, Cole Roberts, has been beaten five times in a row by former Texas Tech pitcher and uh, red feather golfer Brad Ralston five times in a row. 806 grudge match? Yeah. Do we need to get that going? Can we uh, set some lines Probably. on that? 
Yeah. Speaking of, do we golf, need some handicaps and all that stuff to to get that together? Yes, we will handicap that. We'll make it a thing. Mito Pereira, by the way, a million dollars in his last week. Cha-ching. Speaking of golf, what? Tech is paired with Vandy in match play. play. Yeah. That just came across the wire. Hell yeah. Um, 90, well, by the time folks listen to this, 95 days till kickoff. No, everybody's excited about that. Everybody's counting down with us. People love the countdown to kickoff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of athletes getting some love in the 90s, you know? Absolutely. Defensive tackle types. Um, that'll, of course, change once we get into, like, the 20s. There'll be a lot of speedsters, but... Um, yeah, 95 days till kickoff as of, what will that be, Tuesday morning? Also, shout out to Chris and Chase, listeners of the pod. We got a picture of Ricky Gann. We got a picture of Ricky Gann. <laughs> Asking you shall receive, Kyle. We didn't tell people what day that was, did we? Or have we already uh, spoiled that much? I don't remember, but I mean. Either way, you, you right. talk about. You talk about zigging while everybody else zags. You know, yeah. there's a lot of countdowns till kickoff, and that's great because there's, you know, nobody else is planning Ricky Gant nobody. in their countdown. Nobody is picking the guy who kicked 11 for 21 in 1983 as part of their right. countdown, but we, we made it work. It's the guy who walked on, and, you know, this is the only place he ever wanted to play football, walked on to be the place kicker. Pretty special. Pretty and, you special. Know, Ricky Gant. And we will pick the the obvious ones. Like we'll have everybody on the spectrum in between, like Graham Harrell, Michael Crabtree, Patrick Mahomes, and right. Ricky Gann. <laughs> right. So we're, we're not like trying to be obscure. It's just Bront Bird. Well, when you have that number, like that number, like yeah, there's not a lot of that number floating around. Right. I'm sure we could have found one in the history books, but it's hard to look through rosters and stuff. I mean, it's just it, they're not available. Yeah. Yeah, you know, things have come a long way since the age of social media as far as, like, pictures of guys being available, rosters, box scores. Right. It's hard to just, like, pull something from 1994 and figure out what happened. Exactly. Anyway, uh, we've gone on for too long, Rob. We always do. Cardinal Sports Center gear up for summer camp, vacation, Lubbock Matador soccer, Texas Tech, postseason baseball. I guess that's all. Signing off from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. He's Rob Bro. I'm Kyle Jacobson. Love y'all.